you've never failed me yet. How many of you can really say that today because you know it, it's true? How many of you can say that today because you know that God has never failed you yet? Raise your hands. And I'll tell you why I'm asking you to raise your hands. Because if there's one thing that people of God need to know is they need to know the testimonies of others. They need to know that God has never failed someone yet. And oh, by the way, I'm real clear. If you think God has failed you, I'm going to ask you to reach out to someone who has raised their hand, who has said, God has not failed me. Raise your hand again. And I'm going to ask you to go to that person and just share your story with them and share with them why you believe God has failed you, and then allow them to share with you how God is really working in your life. Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. God is faithful, and in spite of what we see, in spite of what we hear, God is still faithful. Now, I will tell you, life is not fair. Life is not fair, but I'm very clear about this. God and life are not synonymous. God is good. Amen? Amen. So for a few moments on today, I want to <clears throat> preach from this, this strange text. I mean, when you read it, did you ask the question, Jesus, what's happening with you? Did you, you, you haven't read the text yet, okay. But you heard it in your hearing, didn't you? Yes, you did. Okay. So, you know, pastor gets excited about certain scriptures and then she'll go, get off script, and we can't get off script today. But I want to share with you before we go to the text, and we will not be long today, I want to thank you for your willingness to share with me on last Sunday what your fears are. I know we're not perfect people. I know that there are things that scare us. There are fears that we have. The unknown. What will tomorrow bring? The diagnosis. What will tomorrow bring? The estranged relationship, what will tomorrow bring? So I want to thank you for sharing your fears with your pastor, and I did pray for you, and I want to give you one scripture today, just one, that I want you to hold on to, so that whenever that fear tries to creep up and uh, paralyze you, and there are several scriptures, but I just want to lift this one up to you. It comes from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And there's one translation that reads, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. In other translations, it may, it may uh, say timidity. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, watch this, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Now, to have a sound mind, that means that I need to keep my mind on him who will give me perfect peace. To have a sound mind means that I am not to be conformed to this world, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, but I'm to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And so when fear tries to paralyze you, I want you to remember 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and I want you to remember Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When I renew my mind, I will remember what 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7 states. And, uh, and if you ever need to talk to your pastor about your fear, then let's have, a let's have a conversation. 
Well, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been ignored or disrespected by others because of the group that you represent, be it a socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, age, race, gender, etc.? If so, how did you respond? So let me ask you this question. I hinted at it before. What surprised you as you read the text for today? For a few moments on today, I want to preach from responding to what may appear to be unfairness. And then the third question that I will always keep before us is, as a congregation, how does our kingdom membership, not our U.S citizenship, but how does our kingdom membership inform how we are to engage with those who are ignored or disrespected by others because of the group or groups that they represent? And we're very clear that kingdom membership is not synonymous with U.S. citizenship. We recognize that the church that is a part of God's kingdom is called to be countercultural to that that the world uh, lives out. So, how many of you remember when you disciplined your child or grandchild and they were upset with you, they said something like, it's not fair. Okay, not a lot, but okay. <laughs> Fairness is defined as impartial and just treatment or behavior without favoritism or discrimination. So we have this scale here and everything is fair, right? You can see that? It looks fair. Mm. Fairness is what we desire, and yet, as we look at our neighbors, communities, and nations, we see signs of unfairness. One community has clean water, clean drinking water, and another community does not. One community has affordable housing, another community does not. One community sees police as protectors, another community does not. One community has grocery stores, supermarkets, and another community is a food desert. So here's the question. What do you do when traditions and rules and privilege by others keep you outside of the group? Yes, we, we all desire fairness, and yet we discover that in life, although we want everything to be fair, life is not fair. But as I said before, life and God are not synonymous. So even though life is not fair, God is good. Well, let's look at this uh, text from Matthew on today. It's a troubling text. It really is. Um, the question is, why does Matthew include this story in this gospel? I would suggest to you because Matthew knew that his, his Jewish community was struggling with who is this Jesus and what is his mission and message? And who is that mission and message for? What does that message ask of us? the Jewish community. And uh, the third issue that they were wrestling with was, and just how wide is God's mercy? 
that would suggest to you that that's a question that many people are asking today. Okay, God is loving and forgiving and merciful, but wait a minute. How, wait, how, how wide is that mercy supposed to be? Wow. So let's look at this text. We see Jesus traveling to an area, Tyre and Sidon, where they are Canaanites. Now, in Mark's gospel, we are told that Jesus enters a home. And lo and behold, uh, this woman shows up. Now, first of all, we are real clear that um, this is a, a patriarchal society. We're real clear that women do not have voices. She shows up. She crosses boundaries. She steps into a home where there are men present. No one has invited her. She is not the object of a lesson on sin. She shows up. And she shows up and she goes to Jesus and she has a conversation with Jesus Christ about her personal life. Now, let me share with you what I'm gleaning from this text first and foremost, and that is I don't care who you are. I don't care how old your children are. As a parent, you will always be concerned about your children. And I will also say to you that because you are concerned about your children, you will know who to go to when your children are in trouble, and that is you go to Jesus Christ in prayer. This woman knew who to go to. She went to the one whom she'd heard about. How do you know she heard about him, Pastor? Because listen to her as she addresses Jesus. She calls him Lord. She calls him Son of David. She had heard about him. I'm sure she had even heard about the healings that he had carried out in the past. So she knew the source to go to. I'm going to say this very quickly. It's good to share with your friends and my Stephen ministers who, who when they are doing Stephen ministry, they will listen. They won't give you any advice. They won't fix the problem. They'll listen. They will tell you it is important to share with people what's going on in your life. I will tell you today, don't stop at the human level when it comes to sharing your needs. There is one who knows who you are and where you are, what you're going through, and is waiting for you to share what you're going through, not because you need to inform Jesus Christ, but because when you go to Jesus Christ, you are acknowledging to yourself and to Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ is the one who can help you and your loved ones. So she, she goes to the source. Now, now let me just go back to this, this, this Jewish community that, that Matthew is talking to today because, you see, they recognize that, that they have religious traditions, and, and they want to know um, these religious traditions and and God's mercy, um, I, we may see a conflict here, so what are we to do when we have our traditions and God's mercy or God's will? What are we to do? 
So let me ask you this question, Evangel Heights Church family and friends. Are there any traditions that we have that we're struggling with because when we think about our traditions and we, when we think about God's mercy and God's will, we're just, we're just wondering what do we do? Well, hmm. They're struggling, and I, I want to suggest to you that, I, that sometimes I think we struggle. We, we remember who we used to be. We, we remember who we were 30 and 40 years ago. We remember who we were 15 and 10 years ago. But here's the reality. Those religious traditions that we had back then, are they relevant for us today. I'm not saying to throw out all traditions, no, no, no. As United Methodists, you know, as I know, that uh, when we think about faith formation, we think about experience and tradition, right, and reason and scripture, scripture being primary with our faith formation. No, I'm not saying we throw out traditions, no. I'm saying, are we holding on traditions to the point that we're not able to hear what God is calling us to do next. So uh, this Canaanite woman shows up and, and she pleads with Jesus. And in so doing that, she's crossing all kinds of boundaries, gender boundaries, social economic boundaries. And, and I don't know about you, but um, I just struggle. I struggle with Jesus' words. Did you struggle? Okay, you didn't. I did. But this is what I know because, you see, as I read the scripture and as I hear Jesus' words, if I'm not careful, if I did not know Jesus, if I did not know God's word, I would think Jesus was a racist. Did you see that in the word? If I did not know God's word, I would think that Jesus was a hater of other groups. But see, this is what I know about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. You see, I know that Jesus, although tempted in every way, just as we are yet, he did not sin. So I know Jesus is not a racist because racism is a sin. And so this, this, this text, I, I, don't, I don't know why Jesus said what Jesus said, but I do know that the answers that some commentaries try to give to us to pacify Jesus' words, to soften them, to say, well, you know, Jesus had a twinkle in his eye when he referred to the woman as a dog. No, he didn't have a twinkle in his eye. I don't know why Jesus said what he said. But what I do know is that Jesus is sinless. So whatever sin you want to attack to Jesus in this text, you're wrong. Because Jesus, although tempted in every way, just as we are, he did not sin. So yes, there, there are those who want to soften his words. I, I don't know. I don't know why he said what he said. But this is what I do know as I look at this text and as I look at this woman and as I think about us on this life called discipleship, this is what I've come to the conclusion of.
First of all, and I've said it, she knew the source to go to when she found herself in trouble. And secondly, she knew the importance of being persistent. Let me share this with you, Evangel Heights Church family and friends, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to talk not only to those of you who have just started this journey called discipleship, I'm not just talking to those of you who have recommitted your life to Jesus Christ, and, and so it's a fresh start for you. I, I'm going to talk to those of you also who've been around a long time, who've been on this journey called discipleship a long time. Don't let your current circumstances diminish your faith. Don't let what you are going through right now diminish the faith that you have in God through Jesus Christ. Look at the Canaanite woman. She approached Jesus Christ. First, he was silent. And if I were to ask some of you if you've ever been in a setting whereby your voice was silenced by those who thought they had more power than you, you can relate to her. If you've been in a male-dominated environment and you are an executive but you are a female and the male leadership just talk over you, pretend you're not saying anything, or worse yet, what you say is ignored until a male says the same thing and then it's being celebrated. Do I have a witness? Don't let your current circumstances diminish your faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. It's in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, that Jesus shares the parable of the persistent widow and the judge. What we see in the Matthean text, what we see in Matthew's text today, is a living out of that particular parable. In that parable, the woman was persistent. She kept going back to the judge, sharing with the judge her needs. And the judge gave in. Well, that parable says, well, if a judge who is unrighteous knows how to do that, how to meet your needs, then how much more will a righteous God know how to meet your needs? And so this woman shares with Jesus what her needs are in a state of desperation. And, and you know, I love this, and, I, and I'm going to move on because this is just a sidebar. You know, what she does is she just, she just lets Jesus know that she knows his, his people. She knows that his lineage includes Canaanites, Tamar, and Rahab. And he responds to this woman's faith. Hmm. Yeah. So we can't create our own list of unfairness regardless of who we are based on privilege, such as the privilege of religion or ability, the privilege of gender identity or race, class, sexuality, this privilege that's defined as the advantages people have that they don't often think about because they never have to experience the oppressive side. Yeah, yeah. 
We can create our own list of unfairness. But yet, for those of us who are privileged, and when I look out, I see privileged people. Because notice, privilege includes religion, ability, education, gender identity, class, race. The question is, which boundaries as a privileged people, which means we have power, which boundaries do we need to remove? Which boundaries do we need to let go of so that the people who are not like us can experience not just fairness, but grace and mercy and justice. Yes. The Canaanite woman went to see Jesus looking for healing for her daughter. She didn't receive fairness. She did not. She received so much more. She received mercy. She received grace that outweighs fairness. Mercy is what God provides and is what we really desire for ourselves from God and from others. And the question is, who are we being called to show mercy to today? Who are we being called by God to demonstrate mercy towards this week? Let us pray. Lord, we cried that we want fairness, but we really desire mercy. Grant us the desire and will to offer mercy to others. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.